Hi everybody, welcome to North of Saturday with, with myself, Steve, and my guest, Larry Bea. Woo! Woo! He is a comedian <laughs> out of New York City. His Yo! As a podcast, Let's Get Loud. He's you gotta sing it. You gotta sing it. You gotta sing it. You gotta Let's sing it. Let's get loud. <laughs> and you gotta give him the background story behind I, your singing. I, we will talk about that after. <laughs> As you, people can already probably tell, Lair's got amazing energy, even off, like over the fucking internet. Yeah. <laughs> We've been uh, chatting back and forth now for a, a while, and I'm really happy to have, have you on the show. Uh, why don't you, 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 you give people some of your uh, background? Okay, my background is I try to get people to sing in an Indian voice, <laughs> J-Lo. <laughs> I'm too and sassy I for that. <laughs> and I, I tell you, his stuttering would never be, be again. It would be cured if he walked around talking like that. <laughs> you got you to gotta sing the song for them. You have to sing the song for them. <laughs> if, I, if, if I had a Patreon... Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, you know, it's so funny because they wipe my memory uh, from birth. I have no memory of recollection of my birth. You know what I'm saying? So, like, when people say, where you, where you from? I, I, I can neither confirm nor deny what they told me <laughs> because I don't remember that date. So, that's the part of my story where I go on instinct, you know, and say, okay, I trust the people. But the thing is, is that, you know, uh, I'm Italian, I'm Black. Um, Native American, and it's, it's a lot of different things in me. And I've got the experience of like, you know, knowing all of those things growing up, you know, I got well-versed with my Italian side, my black side and my Native American side throughout the summers, throughout just, you know, staying with different family members and being introduced to a world of violence and everything. You know, we talk about PTSD and you know how you always talking about, you know, uh, well, the military. Well, you see, there was a me before the military that was so PTSD that oh, the yeah. military was a break from the PTSD. Then after the military was more PTSD. And the irony is in the middle, there was a war. And that was the easy part. Holy shit, dude. <laughs> you know? And it's only because I was in the most at least fort force uh, that we have, the United States Air Force. And the thing is, I always say it like that because some, somebody like you will go, yeah, and he was in the Army. Like, no, like, <laughs> Maybe that was from our phone call earlier. <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, from, <laughs> I'm from Canada, man. Like, we don't really have anything, so. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then so, but that was my break during those years, during the war years, was my break from the, because growing up, like, Italian and Black and Native American, there's a lot of shit that goes along, especially when you grew up in a family like my family. And, you know, um, you get the documentary from, you know, birth, you know, as to what the family is and what the roles of different people in the family is and everything like that. You, and you see a lot of things in your peripheral and you're watching things, you, you're watching different type of hustles and crime and death. Like I saw my first death at like, what, nine years old, Holy shit. you know? So don't tell, so when they say, oh, uh, the PTSD from fucking the military, trust me, yeah. the military was light compared to what I saw in my formative years. And so, and then the, just the rackets and the hustles you get into, and then, and then just growing, finding the normalcy in that with the rest of the friends and family that's in that lifestyle or whatever. So, and, sorry, quick question, was that on like uh, both sides or, or, or all three sides of your family? I would say all three. <laughs> yes, yes, I fucking would. Everybody had a fucking hustle. Every 
fucking the Italians have a hustle, the blacks have a hustle, the Native Americans got a hustle, and it's a it's an organized hustle, and it's like oh my god. Then you see you pull back and you see the syndicate that it's running through. You see all the components and all the parts, and you go get the fuck out of here. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then you stop thinking about morality. Cause you go, you know, it, it's it's such a, a fucking cognitive dissonance what we say we believe in on any of the families and what we're actually doing. But I see the justification in all of it. You know, I saw that, you know, growing up. But then also the violence. There was a lot of violence for me growing up. You know, uh, seeing it, witnessing it, you know, being the cause of it. You know, and you know, you just look at it, you go, wow. That person just doesn't exist anymore. But then, but that's what the thing that used to get me was, because in all cultures that I have, this is like the snow snitching, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and, and I look at all of them, and that's what brought them all down: snitching. You fucks. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, you know, I thought we wasn't supposed to be telling. Oh, what's Tammy the Bull doing over there? You know what I'm <laughs> yeah. They said God, he brought that family down. No, Bull did. They yeah. had him. What the fuck? <laughs> you know, and then black people, they be like, oh, no snitching. But you ever watch the first 48? Come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's always goddamn snitching. Yeah. Like, Y'all motherfuckers don't believe this shit. <laughs> but that's what I, but I'm so about that code of no snitching. I'm old school. I'm like, and I, because, a lot, go ahead, go I ahead. I think that's, a, that's an agent. Like, how, how, how old are you? Okay. I was born <laughs> in a decade in the decade of the sixties. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm a, a forty four. So like like I, okay. I I understand where 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 you're coming from though. It's like uh, growing up pre internet and and uh, cell phones and and all and 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 all that. Like we just didn't uh, uh, we we didn't need that. Hey everyone on Twitter and Instagram, look at me, and then go and and uh, tell everybody. But now it seems like everyone needs that 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 uh, dopamine hit of. This. And it is. It's a hit. It's a it's a it's a drug. Just okay. Like, I found the cure for my, you know, uh, PTSD, period in life. You know, I found it early in life. It's pussy. And the thing is, is that that becomes a drug because that's when you're feeling so at calm and peace and every a lot of things, you know, and just a lot of the euphoria and the dopamine that comes along with that. However, when you look at like people now, they have to be on the screen and being on the screen subjects you to saying things that can incriminate someone else or saying things that can, you know, help people put pieces to the puzzle together in a lot of different things. You know, yeah. like for, for me, example, you know, uh, there, that my name is not my birth name. You know, there's no me that was born with this name. And if you look it up, you'll see court documents, but that's when I put all the pieces to the puzzle together. Like, oh, court documents can be created to say you are something that did. Oh, okay. Now I understand what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Because when we had to come here, and so and, and under the conditions that we had to come here, you know, so I looked at it like, okay, now I understand life, and then you start becoming a part of a, a friendship bond, a community, you know, and the rest of the world and the outside community really isn't a, a part of your community. You're in it, you know, because there's something else going on in your cousins and your your uncles, you know, your uncles. <laughs> Your, your uncles, you know, and then you 
you say, well, okay, then you introduce this person. You go, it's, it's actually, let me tell you something. It's tiring being Italian. <laughs> it's, it's because you got to go to- Big ass families. Yeah, you got to meet so many people. You got to know the respect and the this and that, you know, and, and it, it was just cool. I was in meetings today. Uh, I was uh, on a phone call yesterday. I got a meeting tomorrow. It's like, you always got to go here to just sit. To, to, because I've always been blessed. The universe has always blessed me with Italian family along the way as well. You know what I'm saying? Because someone knows someone that knows someone that went to school or bartended with your uncle or something like that, you know? And so, yeah. or, or, or did something. So you're like, oh, okay. So now go over here. And, and then when you're over here, you still got to be an earner. Yeah. And then, and then, and, and it's so funny because my escape became being a comedian from yeah. all that other stuff. Like, it's it's a world. It's such a world of shit that I've gone through and seen and done. That comedy is the only. Place. That's why it takes two hours to hear my show. Like, if yeah. you see me on stage for two hours, as opposed to the microwave comedy when people go on stage and do like ten minutes or whatever like that, you gotta hear the two minute. You know story and stories and fun oh my god because everybody goes like that's what's so fucking interesting to me because once you get past the 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 light comedy hey where you from or i did this and that, and that then you start to get into the, the the who you are or whatever and i think that that's the world that my ptsd has been able to take a break from you know like cause, oh because it's there <laughs> it's it's from nine years old i would say i would say even earlier Cause I fell out of a car when I was like five <laughs> and fell on my <laughs> That's gotta be the native Indian side. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, def it's definitely on my mom's side. You know what I'm I, don't, I don't know if the black side pushed me or the native American pushed me, but one of them, one of them motherfuckers pushed me out of the car on my head. In the middle of a time where you saw a body in the street or on the dirt road or whatever like that, you know, and it's so funny because it's like, you just feel like, oh, this is what life is about. This is a bunch of tumbles and people falling and you falling and loud noises and it, 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 and you don't never get a, a grip because somebody or something's always hitting you in the head, you know? Yeah. And you, you're like, okay, this is this is one of these worlds where you say the wrong thing, you get whacked upside the head. This one is where you can fall down and you hit bump your head, or icicle could be hanging and hit you in the head. Something is always protect your head or whatever. And um, and everybody's always angry. Everybody's like the Native Americans were more the more peaceful ones to a certain extent. I'm not gonna give it all, but no, no, because my my mother's mom is very extremely peaceful, but she will wring a chicken's neck or wring a duck's neck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like with yeah. grab it, you know? <laughs> so I'm like, this woman is the most violent because then she would take the knife and, you know, but um, the thing is, is that, you know, it was so much love and growing up that that's what helped me get over the PTSD too, is you just go back to times. You go, you have slices in your life when, you know, you know, Nona was sitting up there, you know, and, and making it literally from scratch. Like I grabbed a, a duck or a chicken and killed yeah. it. And you're eating that snake or, or I picked it out of the garden or whatever, you know, the tomatoes that I grew or something like that, or the sauce that I made or something yeah. like that. So you're like, okay. So when you have those slices to go back to, everything can be cured because whatever happened to me in a lot of different situations, you know, um, there were times that people had done things to me. And when I was young, 
And the next thing you know, that kid wasn't living anymore. Or he was he was in a body cast. I was like, whoa, what the fuck Jesus. is going on? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> you know, and then but it's so funny when you it's so funny when you look at stuff like that, but you go, okay, but I still have slices of nice stuff. Yeah. You know, I have a Nona who, you know, can make things from scratch. And I have another one that can make things from scratch, but they want lottery numbers from you. <laughs> so do I. So do I. Exactly. I, I, I don't know. That's probably my uh, native side too, right? Like I. Yeah. It could be my, my Irish side or or my Greek side. I don't know, but. And that's another thing too, because see, I was, well, being able to travel when I was young, I was able to learn about Greeks and Irish and all these different people. And plus, I had so many friends that was out, that wasn't just Italian or Black or Native American. So. I was able to see all those different things. So then when you start to travel, you start to say, oh, I know the three that I have in me are all the same. And then you start to see some similarities in other groups like Irish or, you know, uh, Spanish people, uh, you know, uh, you go, they have similar family structures and values and stuff like that. Then you start to say, oh, we're all the same. And then that's when you go, oh, so everybody goes through shit. And, and then everybody, has some sameness too and family too and, and things that they're prideful about and love and everything like that. So that's when I started seeing like, oh, okay, so don't go around just bitching about your PTSD or bitching about this or whatever. I, you I, know? I, I, I think that's a, a key point though, is like with 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 my PS my PTSD, uh, like a lot of it's uh, blacked out, but um, I it, like I can feel it, right? And I. You can feel it like when you sing it, like sing it like J Lo. An Indian J Lo. That's great. <laughs> you wait until uh, Saturday and see me all uh, dressed up. Oh, okay. awesome. <laughs> you know, you know what? With J Lo, you don't have to get in a dress. You just you can put a, uh, some pants on. She wears jeans. <laughs> Uh, it's a new pair exactly. You just have to hit the falsetto like she does. <laughs> yeah. I'll keep uh you know. <laughs> yeah. No, but, sing in harmony with her. Just sing in harmony with her. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> like a like A-Rod does. Yo, <laughs> yeah. You know what I found out? And this is so digress. I I saw a picture of J Lo with Mark Anthony when they were married and she was being introduced to A-Rod. That cracked me the fuck up. <laughs> you, see, you see Mark Anthony and J-Lo stand there, and J-Lo's meeting A-Rod for the first time. She's sopping wet. Yeah, she was sopping wet. She was like, okay, I'm out. I'm the fuck out. Bye. Yeah, he may have fucked the Yankees over, but he'll... <laughs> Good, fuck the Yankees. Yeah. Oh, my God, I love it. Yo, I, I guess I got to say that, too, because ever since Steinbrenner died, you know... Uh, We've had a couple of championships since then, but it hasn't been the same. And Jeter's the last thing that I'm really proud for. I'm a Yankee Nation since Reggie Jackson. <laughs> Who were yours? Who were yours? Canada, baby. It's the Blue Jays. Oh, the fucking Blue Jays. I remember when the Blue Jays beat Philly yeah. uh, for the for the World Series. Joe Carter. Yeah. yeah. Touch them all, Joe. <laughs> Touch them all, Joe. I was like, damn. And they had a wild thing on the mound. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and I was I was in South Philly, and um, 
you know, you know, doing my hustles and everything like that. And it, but basically get my life together because I was in graduate school, I believe at the time, my second graduate school. So throughout my course, that's also another thing that's helped me too. Uh, me being highly educated and being in, intelligent, meaning like, you know, intelligence to me is having the patience to listen, listen to somebody and understand and learn something. And so I've done that my whole life, especially starting with my dad. And then in school, I used to love the stories that the teachers would tell, like my history teacher, Mr. Savopoulos, he would tell stories about American history and stuff like that. It's just, you know, I was new to the country. I was like, yo, like, you know, like, this is fascinating shit, you know, and, but that, that learning and every, and I learned math that way. And I learned anything that I learned, I just learned by listening over and over and over to it until I know it. And, um, but, and, but the thing is that I think that that's what it was when I was in graduate school back in South Philly during that time when the Blue Jays, just Joe Carter was just like, yo, going around the base. And wow, I was like, why would you put fucking wow? Why would you fucking put wow? He's like, that's what we do every day. Thinking this is the world fucking series. Why a regular game, maybe 52 games into the season, wild thing. Okay, cool, because he's under contract. But this is the fucking World Series. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so yeah, so, so then I was like, so, but I was in graduate school at the time um, at Temple University. And then, so I think that I've always immersed myself into knowing what I don't know. And that takes so much time, you don't have to focus on the PTSD. And, and it takes... I don't want to say courage, but it, it takes that, that thing to go, Hey, this is, I don't know how to do X or I want to learn about Y and go, yeah. And instead of just going, I wish I knew about this or that, like I'm yeah. going to go learn about this or that. So we had to take, we had to take, uh, uh, when I was at my first graduate school, we had to take a, a musical theater history course and as an elective, but we had to take it. So it's a two part course, first semester, second semester. And I was in there for the first day. And of all the things that I know in life, see, I believe that people could be a savants in a lot of things because they, they, they've immersed themselves into it or they were born into it or they learned it, you know, growing up in their formative years or whatever. Or they could just learn it later because they have that capability of that level of learning. So I didn't know nothing about musical theater history at all. I knew so much about, you know, the... Uh, transcontinental slave trade. I know everything about on fly, flower, uh, going from different continents and different things like that. I knew everything about, you know, murder and different things, but I knew, did not know musical theater history. So I was like, let me, let me learn it. But I went to the library because we were in class one day and all the kids, you know, um, in, the, in the class, were just naming it, just name it, no, no, Nanette, and, uh, naming all these music, Rodgers and Hammerstein and all these different things they would just name it. And I was like, and I stopped the class. I said, excuse me, stop. I said, excuse me, professor. I just want to know something. Where did y'all learn all this stuff at? Like, where was the, like, where would my point of reference have been to be able to know this knowledge? Like, y'all spit it off the top of your head. So then uh, I went to the library every night. And I'm in a graduate program. So that's already, you know, a grueling program. But I took extra time to go to the library to learn musical theater history. I listened to all the records. I read all, the, uh, all about it from uh, before showboat and after showboat. I learned about, you know, what operettas were. I learned what it was about, you know, when the, uh, you know, why they divide everything before and after showboat because, you know, that's when they married the book 
you know, to the to the script or whatever like that, you know, as opposed to a song just being written and thrown in. I start learning shit like that, right? Yeah. And but it became fascinating. So I didn't have time to worry about PTSD because I had to catch up. You know, even though I had just left a war, you know, uh, finished an undergraduate degree, killed many people, um, did, did, did the PTSD, got my money for college, whatever like that. Even though I was an age older than, okay, because in graduate school, see, undergraduate school, I was older than all the uh, students my, my year, freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior. Because when I came in at Morehouse College, my undergraduate, I was friends with Enos Cosby because you know, he was a senior at the time and I was a freshman, but we were the same age. So I couldn't hang out with the freshmen that, you know, I was yeah. like, these pussies just, their mothers was making their beds for them. You know, and I just got out the military killing people. You know what I'm yeah. saying? We had nothing in common anymore. No. <laughs> and so, and plus I never was, was raised like that anyway, where your mom would make up your bed. But the thing is, is that, so what, what happened was I would uh, go, in graduate school, your age range is like the kind of like, You'll be a little older students that enter your program. So you're necessarily older than everybody, but I tended to be of the older ones in the in the graduate programs. So uh, I had to catch up to wherever they were in life as far as like things that they knew and this academia stuff, because I spent four years out of the, you know, the civilian population in, a, in the military. And because when the military takes you, the reason they call you a GI, because you are government issue. So when they, you know, you know, you say singing the GI blues because they have stripped you of your civilian rights and made you government issue. Now, that's why you don't go by the law of the civilian law like the regular course. Do so you go by the uniform code of military justice? You know, and and there's so many intricate things they do to take you out of society and then put you back in the society because it wasn't until after I left the war <laughs> that I got shot in the head. In, in Atlanta, you know, in my first undergraduate program. And that was the first time I got shot. The second time I got shot. <laughs> okay. Let's slow the fuck down a second. Exactly. So, but but so, that's what I'm saying. It's so much prior to that that I was already fucked up about. That's why I can gloss over those years. Because yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> that was like doing bedtime. <laughs> All right, let's get a read your little bedtime story of, of Larry. <laughs> Childhood, holy hey, fuck. Yeah. Okay. Close is good. Graduate <laughs> school, shot in the fucking head. <laughs> Yo, and let me tell you something. I got That's shot the prologue. In the head. <laughs> I got, yeah. Trust me, I got shot in the head sophomore year, November 17th, um, 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 1992, at 11.47 p.m. on Peachtree Street in Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> they took me to Grady Memorial Hospital. Let me tell you something about Grady Memorial Hospital. They have the best, uh, you know, recovery, you know, um, the, 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 where, where you're like a burn victim or anything like that, that's really a trauma. They got the number one trauma unit. They have the worst ambulance service you ever want to fucking meet because they, they, they sent out an ambulance for me and the dude couldn't get the IV in my arm. And, and because he couldn't off. get the, yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying? But he radioed, radioed up to the front and said he couldn't get, get it out of my arm. The guy who was driving the ambulance pulled the ambulance over to the side of the road. He then came into the back. He was putting the IV in my arm. And I'm sitting up here going, motherfucker, drive. You need to fucking drive the one who was just looking. I was like, we got somewhere to be, you know? So was, you're, you're like, you're, you're still like uh, awake and you can see what's going on? After being let me tell you something. I had glass in my eyes. 
blood was just pouring all down my face because when I was in the car, uh, uh, somebody rolled past the car uh, on the back of a motorcycle and pumped a shot into my car, boom. So uh, it, it hit me in the head and I thought literally, I thought a telephone pole had fell on the car and hit me in the head. That's the only thing that I could justify how something hit me that hard. So when I looked over to see if a telephone pole had fallen on the car, because that was my delivery of what was happening. Like in that moment, you're trying to scramble. Your brain is trying to make sense of all of this. Like, what the fuck could that have been? So in that little scrambling, uh, I looked up to see if a telephone pole hit me. All this blood starts squirting up from my head over to the passenger door. And that's when I knew I was fucked up. And then, and, and, uh, that, and that's why I put like two or two together. Then my mind went back in the military mode. And uh, I jumped out the car and ran back into the place that I was uh, in. And the car shielded me from being hit by the cars that was coming down on the street because they were swerving to miss that car. And I was on the other side of the car. Ooh. So that's, that's what good military, that's what excellent United States military training would do for you. It will make you a warrior under fire. You do not lose your head. You make sure you're shot in the head. <laughs> when you're shot in the head, that's you the one thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a, that should be the slogan. Oh, for the military. When you get shot in the fucking head in Atlanta, you won't lose your fucking head in Atlanta. <laughs> exactly. By Larry Bear. Exactly. You know, and that was the thing. I was like, on, on, on all streets, Peace Street Street. You know, that's and a, I was like. Uh, there's a, a TV series here called uh, Peach Tree. Out of Atlanta, and it's exactly. like I don't know if it's the yeah. states. Is it? It's the well, okay. Uh, that's the uh, Peach. That's the Peach State. Georgia it, is the Peach State. Yeah, but there's a, a TV station in Canada called Peach Peach Tree State, and it's all oh, old, yeah. old like uh, classic TV shows. Yeah, frankly, frankly, Scarlett, I don't give a damn. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I derailed the fucking you. Sorry. <laughs> You know, and, but, that, but that was the whole thing. So I'm on Peachtree Street uh, getting shot. There was no peaches on that street. There's a bunch of, uh, you know, black people with bullets, you know. And people, okay, I talk about both sides of my family being like the, the, the Italian and black side as far as fighting. That, uh, that doesn't say that my Native American family don't fight because they do fight, but they're the more peaceful of the ones. But they do fight. But the thing is, is that uh, I talk about the difference between my black crime side and my Italian crime side, you know, because they both steal, but the Italians have a better system at it. You know, I've always felt like that. Like, you know, they take care into, you know, um, making sure you at least attempt to get away with it. But now everybody's <laughs> yeah. Black people just walk in the fucking store. <laughs> what, what you gotta, we know it's you. <laughs> you know, the only big motherfucker in the in the neighborhood, it's you. You got a ski mask over here. We know it's still you. <laughs> you fucking idiot. I remember, yeah, I remember one time I was in a store uh in Brooklyn and a guy came in to rob the store and he he came in, he was like, everybody on the floor. But I was like, dog, I got somewhere to be. I said, hey, listen, you keep on going with you, dog. I have somewhere to be, dog. I, I, I'm not snitching it. Like, I just have somewhere to be. Because I had somewhere to fucking be. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I had a show to get to. When you try to get to a show in New York, and I, that's how important I feel about shows. I won't let nobody stop me from doing shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, yo, I ain't got time for your robbery, I'm dog. Up, oh, I'm, I have stage time. I have to fucking stand. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> exactly. It's so, it's so many comics in New York. They'll, somebody would easily want to step into your shoes <laughs> yeah. and, can't, and can't feel it. 
and you know what I'm saying? Then you feel like you did the show a disservice. <laughs> but but the thing is, is that that's what like I have done for P with PTSD. I didn't. Okay, <clears throat> we used to do this uh, exercise when I was growing up. Um, they they would send us into the room, right? And they would tell us to identify all. They would take us outside the room. They would go and say, well, when you go in the room, we want you to identify all the green things in this room. And he's like, you go in there, you just look, and they, you point out all the green things. There's a green, like, little rug over here. It's a green jacket. It's a green notebook or whatever. You just point out a green pencil or whatever like that. And then you leave the room. And then, you, and then they, when you leave the room, they say, okay, can you tell us all the purple things that were in that room? And you're like, what? You told me to focus on the green things. And come to find out there were more purple things in the room than green things. And we couldn't identify maybe one or two purple things. You see what I'm saying? But yeah. we had, our list was ready to list all the green things. And that's what PTSD, that's how I dealt with PTSD. I said, there are more good things happening in my life and for, for my life. I'd rather focus on those things. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, and that's what, and that's what I, I, I always did because it, it's, it's so funny because there are times I look and I say, I have nothing to fucking be sad about in this life. I won this life from the beginning, the family I was born into. You know what I'm saying? Like, I won. Like, I'll never have to buy, uh, get a job or do anything. But the thing is, is that you, I do get jobs and I do work and I do all these different things. But it's like, I've never had to do that because the family is so well taken care of. And it's like, you look at you. So it's like, okay, so, so some things happen to me in life. Okay, I had to kill some people. Some people shot at me. Okay, yeah, it's so funny. It's so funny. Just when I was getting over being shot the first time. No, let's take it back. Just when I was getting over being in the military and having to see my friends get killed and have to kill people and stuff like that. Just when I got over that, I got shot in the head. So then just when I got over, like took two or three years to get over that, then I got shot here in the abdomen and it came out my ass. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> you know, so the thing is, is the bullet will travel. That was a fucking magic bullet. <laughs> so, so, so the thing is, is that, you know, you like, like, wow, this world is fucked up. But still I'm winning, like still, like even with all of that, like I took L's just like I did. There was times that like the PTSD would fuck you up with girls, man. Like coming out of the military, you're so fucked up. You, you, you miss a lot of girlfriends. Girls leave you over the small shit. They tell you to choke them during sex. And then when you choke them, it was too much. And now you got a restraining order. Fuck you. <laughs> you knew I would have PTSD, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So it was, it's like that. And then like, when I got shot the second time, I had to learn how to walk again. Okay. Um, so, yes, I was with a cane because it came in here, it ricocheted off my hip bone. And then, so that whole side was, like, up here, I had to get plastic surgery right here. Uh, let me tell you something, it was so fucked up when I got shot right here that I had to, my mother, my mother, you know, when your mother tell you, um, I'm not telling you what to do. <laughs> <laughs> You Yo, she broke it down just like that. You would always get tough love from women like that. In my family. I'm not telling you what to do. But you're never getting laid again ever. Yeah, you know. And I 
Yo, and I was doing numbers. I was doing numbers out of high school. And I'd say I was doing numbers laying shit. I was doing numbers in high school. Because once I found out uh, how to coexist with a woman, like you have to coexist with them like a yin and a yang, yeah. that's that's how you get laid. Like you don't, you don't act, you, you don't listen to what they say, but you hear it. You know what I'm saying? You, because if, if you listen to it, they'll they'll suck you into the conversation and whatever they were mad at, it ends up being you, they're mad at you because you listened to the conversation and then you took sides in the conversation or you confirmed something. It's like, right? And then you're like, oh shit. But it's like, you only listen, you only hear enough just to keep the conversation going so you can get it out of your system. And I when I when I perfected that when I was in fucking high school. Oh my fucking god. Oh my god. I was doing cheerleaders. I was doing I was meeting chicks uh, on the side of the bleachers in the you know in our basketball room. I was I was doing numbers. And then I went to the military. I was doing so many so good numbers before I went to the military. Then I went to the military. You put that uniform on, girls will fuck you. Oh, it's, you don't have to say it. You could drop your ID card. They'll pick it up for you. Excuse me, you dropped this. <laughs> you know they'll, they'll drop on their knees. Exactly. And these and these girls aren't loyal. Nobody's loyal in the military. I've seen some. I've seen death in the military <laughs> over some people. Uh, uh, somebody's fucking somebody else's wife. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was always surrounded my whole life about death. So it, it was like, you know, one of those things. But like, I was just doing so many numbers. Then I got out of the military and then went to college. Oh my God. Talking about PTSD. Fuck that pussy has been the cure. You know what I'm saying? You know, I, you, and it's like, I, some people are like, well, what about cocaine? You do cocaine to stop your pussy cravings. You know what I'm saying? Curve your pussy. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like I can't fuck them all tonight. You know what I'm saying? I can't. <laughs> all right. so, so you're talking to a cocaine addict <laughs> <laughs> who hasn't been laid for like a year. Yeah. You're overdose. You're over medicating. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Medicating. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you need to find a balance because see, like it's like that say with the yin and the yang. You have to get the pussy. The balance is off, but then you can get too much. But see, I've heard some dumb shit in this lifetime. I heard somebody say, well, you can get too much pussy and you end up being gay. Get the fuck out of here. That <laughs> is some bull. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. I was like, that was is like, a bull. Goddamn Alex Jones. Yeah, I was like, that's a bold-faced <laughs> fucking lie. But that's how people justify their gayness, I guess, whatever like that. Well, you get so bored from the pussy. I've never in this lifetime. Yeah. Got bored with some pussy. <laughs> I wish I wish I could get that that bored. Yeah, but, the, but, the, but the thing I've I've had to take a break, and then that's when you do the coke to come down from that because it, it'll stop it'll stop your libido right right quick. You be like, oh, okay, this is medicine. Please now stop. I see. Please now, stop. <laughs> You're talking to an addict who's only nine months clean about his favorite fucking thing in the world. Yo, winners never win. <laughs> do, you, do you think Tom Brady would have won seven had he quit? Cheating? No. <laughs> I don't call it cheating. I call him the most motivated person to win. <laughs> That's why you're a fucking Yankees fan. You goddamn right. Steinbrenner <laughs> bought the best fucking play. Let me tell you something. And you know, you know this. And everybody out here knows this. When you spend your time being a fan of an organization, you want to walk away from that uh, relationship that y'all had that evening when you decided to give unarrested uh, attention. You know what I'm saying? Arrested attention to them, to watch them. You want, at the end of that, a payoff. And then you want yeah. that payoff to be good. I feel good. 
You don't want to be throwing shit in the room. You don't want, and let me say something in Philly. Every time the Eagles would lose in Philly, they said the domestic um, abuse <laughs> race would <went up. laughs> Philly fucking trash. Exactly. And let me say, and I was in Philly and I was like, Philly, I swear to God, every, I believe every fan in Philly, their life has been taken off just a few, a few years watching the Eagles because oh, yeah. they'll, they'll be up there winning and the next thing you know, they'll, they'll find a way to lose. And there's certain organizations around the league, like the Browns, the oh. Jets, the, you know, all these other organizations we can name or whatever, the Mets, clearly the Knicks and all, the, all these other different people, you know, that their teams are sorry, will always be sorry. Maybe they had some flash years or whatever, but they're, they're professional farm teams. And I don't have time to sit and root for a professional farm team. You know yeah. what I have time to root for? That guy, Jer uh, George Steinbrenner, who says, you know what, I'm buying this best player. I'm buying that best player and I'm buying that best player. And guess what we're going to do? We're going to Harlem Globetrotters <laughs> this whole league. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm i like, I'm happy this year because the Blue Jays finally have a good fucking team. Yeah. And yeah. see, and that's what it is. You like, like, like okay, I've, I've gone beyond the fandom. I think Tom Brady was my last, you know, hurrah for the sport. Like, but I'm, a, I'm Italian. I'm a hedge my bet. I did bet against them, but I did want them to win because I took the odds. You know, the odds were, you know, uh, one of those things to where you go, okay, I want him to win it, but I don't want to be pissed if they pull see, another. Yeah, uh, see, and because, like, I was in Cuba, and I'm yeah. a, a, a Seahawks fan. Yeah. I was in Cuba, surrounded by fucking French fucking assholes. All, all, <laughs> all Patriots fans. All Patriots fans. And it's that is and it's the Seahawks Patriots and the Seahawks yeah. were down all game and they came back in the second half like they always do on yep. the one yard line about to score the game winning touchdown. No! I am run yeah. and I'm stripping down naked. I'm about to hop on that bar and just let and my dick and... fly around naked and start swearing in French. Exactly. And then they throw the ball. And yo, and that's when I knew they cheated. I was like, listen, I'm a Patriots fan and I know they cheat. I knew they cheated. And, and because that's always been my philosophy. If you want to, if you want my attention, then you better win. My, <laughs> one of my best friends is Italian. Yeah. Uh, he's a school teacher. And that's his fucking philosophy too. Yeah. <laughs> if you, want my if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. <laughs> you ain't trying. And listen, you ain't winning. Because the thing is, is that, listen, we know that there are people, but I even look back at history because my family was also into the boxing and everything like that. And I, I saw the shady side of the boxing industry. Anybody who thinks uh, Muhammad Ali actually hit him with a phantom punch, you got your fucking mind. And anybody that thinks that, and I'm not saying that he would have beat him or wouldn't have beat him. I don't understand that. I'm saying the fact that he didn't get off the stool and uh, in that round, he was told not to get the fuck off the stool. So I understand how life really fucking works. Yeah. So knowing that from my formative years, I couldn't be naive and think Santa Claus was gonna deliver me a victory. Yeah. I knew <laughs> somebody was paid off to deliver me a victory, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so that's what I look at with fans. I say, I, I say it's, a, it's a shame that everybody doesn't know how the game really works because they give their heart and emotion to these teams or whatever like that. And I said, well, Brady would be the last one that I will ride out with. You know, and I'm a big sports fan, play sports yeah. a lot. Um, but I was like, because these young kids, I can't get into them. Like, I'll see them, you know? But I mean, it's like, are you yeah. even playing what we call basketball? 
Oh, yeah, like I'm a, a Raptors fan, but all this, I, I don't want to get in there right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, but, we definitely agree with that one. Yeah, uh, anyways, I, uh, I got to go pick up my uh, dog soon. Uh, one Where's thing, your dog? Uh, up at a neighbor's house. Okay. Uh, he, he he wouldn't sit, sit sit still through all this. And, I, and you know it's so funny. I know he's like, no, just stay on down. I'm having a good time over here. I'm having yeah. a good. These people feed me more. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I be uh, I, I I wanted to thank be, 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 thank you. But also yeah, thank you, Evil Sam on Twitter. Yeah, we we both love e- Evil Sam. Yeah, I love that dude. That dude is that that dude is the shit. Yeah, man. Him and Torelli for me, like yeah. they they create they create wonders. Like like the worlds that they create, it's just all about fun. And you're yeah. you're so excited to share them. You're so excited to, to like pitch them ideas or whatever like that. Say, hey, can you do this or whatever? Like, oh, oh, when they surprise you and do something, that's yeah. really what fuck. Yeah, and then yeah. you're like, I got I got to share. So I got big shout out to him. Yeah, and yeah. both of them. Yeah. yeah, but like for me, like uh, Evil Sound's been been helping me on the background for a month and a half now. He's yeah. uh, setting everyone up, so I wanted to say thank you to him. And uh, this has been great. I'd, I'd love to have you uh, back on again. And okay, cool. Whenever, can... wherever. We can do it. Listen, all you have to do is call me. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be walking down the street. I may be getting some pussy. I'll still talk to you. <laughs> Send me pics. <laughs> I haven't seen any for a while. <laughs> all right, all right, right. man. Uh, uh, can you uh, okay. uh, uh, do... do uh, uh, do plug plugs. something. Yeah, I got to plug something. I got to <laughs> plug. Uh, we got uh, coming up um, secret show, Costco comedy show here in um, Costco, Connecticut. And then we got um, two great uh, comedians of the compounds coming up. March 20th, Dojo of Comedy, Amber, Gino, you know, all the whole crew, Pat, Chrissy. It's going to be so great. I think uh, Don Jameson is on that, maybe. Uh, Bobby, I know. Uh, is on that. And then we are in, I think, May 14th and 15th, we are in Austin, Texas, Comedians of the Compound. So, I mean, just, it's going to be, it's going to be, wait till I get to Texas. That's where I want the basic training at. So I I love Texas. You know, I love Texas people. I love country music. So I can't wait to get back. I can't wait to get down there. I can't wait for the fucking border to open so I can, I can come down there. Yeah. So listen, I'll do, listen, I got a guy. Of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> on, on that note, Larry, this is awesome. <laughs> Thanks, man. All right, see you. See you, buddy. All right, bye.